Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Community is our business. Joy 94.9. One, two, three, four. Use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, nail it, create it, change it, point it, turn it, press it, snap it, work it, cook it, lose it, write it, cut it, paste it, save it, load it, check it, quick, Good afternoon, this is TechnoGaze here on Joy 94.9, the, the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. I jumped the gun there, I'm, I'm not usually that early. Into the really quick on that one there this morning, Mark. <laughs> oh, I, I saw the fading happening, or heard the fading happening, I thought, you know, let's, let's kick in right now. Um, that was the, uh, and is the voice of uh, Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello. We also have in the studio with us today... Um, Raina. Hello, Raina. Hi. And um, a very special guest today as well, and uh, for reasons that will be known very shortly, uh, but I'll introduce him now. It is Luke Miller with us in the studio as well. Hello. Hello, listeners. On today's show, uh, we'll kick off with a roundup of the latest in tech news, including some news from Microsoft trying to poach MacBook Air owners for their Surface uh, platform. (laughs) It's a bit of a gamble, hey? Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, of course, as I mentioned, Luke's here in the studio with us, and there's some exciting times for gay gaming uh, and this locally developed game um, by his truly. Uh, I, I'll mention the name of the game. I love the, the name. I, I got it wrong the very first time I mentioned it on air. It was um, Actually, You get it wrong every time. Oh, no. I, I wasn't going to mention that. But My okay. ex-boyfriend's oh. face Torrent, is that what it's called? Now I'm confused. <laughs> Wait, you did develop it, right? I, I do have the page open. It does say my ex-boyfriend, the space tyrant, and yes. if it's been greenlit by Steam, then maybe you want to make sure that that's right before it goes up. <laughs> of course, uh, the excellent news is that uh, Luke's game has been greenlit on the uh, the gaming platform Steam. Mm, and um, I've been so curious to find out what goes on behind the scenes with all that stuff, so I'm really we, looking forward we to this. may well have the right person to ask those questions in just a few moments. <laughs> that's right. Uh, also, this week, Google I.O. I- 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 happened. Uh, of course, mm. that's a massive um, conference that uh, Google run, uh, touting all their latest products, and uh, it's a bit of a developer's love fest, I guess you could call it. Something like that, yeah. So when, when Apple has WWDC mm. and all the developers get together for all the exciting news, I guess this is Google's answer to that. And for the Android platform in particular. Yes. Big fans. And Lots. cardboard box lovers everywhere. And cardboard <laughs> box lovers, as we'll soon see. <laughs> now, uh, and, and not, um, you know, to look beyond, I guess, see the tech and into the politics of the day, uh, Russia has become even more paranoid this week, ah. both in uh, internet um, sites that they're trying to what, what, ban. I think they should just turn off the internet. <laughs> 
That's probably <laughs> probably going to solve a lot of their problems. It'd be quicker, wouldn't it? Yes. Mm. They're also trying to redo hardware as well. They want to get rid of the, those evil US corporations and uh, that's right. move into their own hardware uh, development business. Yes. Hey, why not? It's a little bit like the Cold War all over again, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Now, of course, if you want to uh, message us while we're in the studio here, you can do so by texting us 0427-JOY949. Mm. You can email us. You can do that. You can email us on air at joy.org.au and it comes straight to the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can um, you can tweet us, Technogaze, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. Yes. I can spell that right. I might not get the name of a game right, but I can spell the name of this show right. <laughs> um, and uh, how else? Oh, Facebook. We're on Facebook too. If you uh, follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook, we will mention you on air. Your yes. name mentioned on air just by clicking one like button. That's that's pretty easy. That's so and, joy. And in fact, if you have any curiosity at all about what we actually do here all day, did you know we're having an open day? We are totally having an open day. Yes. We're having one right, right now, now and we're having another one tomorrow. That's two open days. Make Adam and the gang hap- uh, happy and busy. Uh, come into the studio before one o'clock today. And yep. uh, we'll uh, gladly show you around. Uh, you can even ogle us into the window here. Um, yes, because you know. we're here until one o'clock, until which one is o'clock. when it runs till. So um, you can look at us. Wow. Or you can come along tomorrow. Well, believe it that you like scratch the window and go like, oh, I want that cute puppy. No. No. No? Okay. <laughs> oh. No one will take you away from us, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, I'll stop now. Interesting, exciting news this week, of course. Uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet. The internet first arrived in Australia 25 years ago this week. Isn't that something? It's quite exciting. 25 it years. It that long. Like, only 25 years. No. It's everywhere. It, I think it shows our age, actually. Luke, you and I have probably of a similar... In fact, Rainer as well. We're all of a similar, the, similar era. The internet is as old as me. Here in Australia, anyway. <laughs> oh. I'm young. I want to just... You'll never know what it was like. So the the first um, the first transmission between Australia and the whole rest of the internet uh, happened on June twenty fourth, mm-hmm. um, and it had to go a long way. So there was a, a little ping that started in Hawaii, going across the Pacific, um, right. to the University of Melbourne's Department of Computer Science, which is called something else now, um, and it had to go quite a long way. So it had to go over a cable between Melbourne and Sydney and then off a satellite to the West Coast and then back into another cable to Hawaii, which seems like a really... Uh, you'd, you'd have terrible ping if you wanted to play Quake or whatever. Like. <laughs> yeah. it, was it just a single wire? I mean, we're not talking uh, fire robotics here, And a satellite. Right? That ping yeah. went to space. <laughs> and it was dun, dun. 240 board, which I don't, know if, if, I don't know if you know, but that's very, very slow modem. Yes. Like, I do recall being connected to bulletin boards at that speed. Exactly, yeah, me too. And, uh, uh-huh. Imagine Great the whole anti-art. country's internet connection going through one of those. Yes, mm. pretty amazing. wasn't easily shared, I presume. <laughs> but that's exciting news, isn't it? I mean, and it happened, it went to the Melbourne Uni. Um, uh, what was it called? The Department of whatever they are. Computer, Computer Science, Science. yeah. Um, you know, and that's where it kind of all began, really, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Um, domain names were kind of maintained and managed there as well, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Is that a Robert L's cue? Is I, I think it so. It is. Tell us about oh, Robert well, L's. Well, so I... Once again, showing my age, I was at Melbourne Uni in the late 90s when it was handing over from being a very academic thing, Mm -hmm. running the internet in Australia to a bit more commercial. And 
there was one guy very deep down in the bowels of Melbourne Uni and <laughs> he was in charge, entirely in charge of the uh, .au domain name. So right. he was the person who handed them out yes. like candy to starving children. And uh, <laughs> he was a little bit cantankerous. So you had to kind of jump through a few hoops to get your domain name. So... Yeah. You had um, to really be on the ball with what your right. justification so was. It wasn't right? like overseas. You could, if you were, you know, Fox News, you could register, you know, Fox dot com and all that sort of stuff. But uh, Robert Ells had a bit of a policy that uh, uh, it had to be generic names when allowed. So he didn't like things like Windows dot com because he goes, well, everyone's got Windows. How can that be a domain name? It's mm-hmm. pretty good logic in its way. But uh, yes, yeah, so my first choice, I, Up Multimedia, is my little company, and I went to register like upgames dot com something. He said, nope, not similar enough. So, wow. Yeah, so he held on for a few years, but then Melbourne IT got it all. And Well, and the rules still exist today to a degree, right? Like, it's got to be a derivative of your business name these days. Oh, yeah. At least a, a, a business it was. Address. It was actually really forward-thinking, really quite a good policy. And, mm. uh, you know, it stopped this sort of land grab that happened overseas. And Yeah, because yeah, mm. that was pretty special, wasn't it, over in the US? You know, anyone would just sort of jump on, you know, McDonald's.com or whatever and then... And you know, suddenly, hold, hold out for a huge payout. Yeah, McDonald's suddenly have to pay a million dollars for their domain name when, when in actual fact it... Yeah, um, so Australia had, I don't think, any examples of cyber squatting, really. It was yeah. very... Uh, hmm, quite good. Yes. And then people realised, oh, it's easy to register a business name, so oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why not just do that? Um, yeah, so that's, that's um, interesting, I guess. A quarter of a century old, the internet here in Australia. Happy birthday, Internet in Australia. Mm. Happy birthday. I feel like I should have something queued here on our playout system, but I didn't, so... We will be talking about cakes later on. We will be talking <laughs> about cakes, but... <laughs> now, um, uh, just very quickly as well, we mentioned uh, Microsoft to uh, MacBook Air owners. They're trying to poach MacBook Air owners from the Apple yeah, ecosystem. Yes, so MacBook Air being that lovely, lightweight, skinny laptop... Um, and Microsoft would like you to maybe try out their lovely, lightweight, skinny tablet, tablet. that comes with a keyboard. Mm. So it's not the same as a laptop, but I guess close so enough for some to, people. So here, give us your really shiny, expensive MacBook Pro that's got MacBook Air yeah. that's got lots of uh, you know, extra specs for our laptop that's not quite up to scratch, but we'll, yeah. we'll swap it over and give you some credit in store. Yeah, that's right. So $650 credit is what they're offering in store for you to switch from your MacBook Air to a Microsoft Surface Pro. Is, is that so you can buy all the add-ons and the extra RAM and stuff that you'll need to, to bring it up to <laughs> spec? Is this, is, this, is this where they're going? I'm really kind of... I don't get... Well, that's the thing. So, yeah, there's, they're, they're sort of offering this. I mean, it sort of sounds like, I mean, if you've got an old MacBook Air and you're thinking, oh, maybe maybe I'm ready to make the switch, I don't know, maybe that sounds like a good idea. But the um, the surface that they're offering is, um, well, first of all, it doesn't cost $650, so you'll still be uh, spending up. Um, it goes from $800. The thing that they're offering, it doesn't come with a keyboard by default, so you're right, you would have to buy a keyboard. Yep. You probably want to buy some apps and things like that because, of course, you know, you can't take your iOS apps with you or anything like that. Um, and, uh, I mean, it just sort of comes along with some other things where they've been, uh, you know, they've, they're, they're not making a profit all the time on the surface. They have been dropping the price to try and sell those sorts of things. I mean, it yeah, just think seems of the, like people are enjoying it. But what is it, the Surface RT that doesn't exist anymore that that uh, very low priced low powered machine i mean they've they've really not really really not really they've not really hit the mark with the uh, no. with the surface in general i mean it was originally the surface was actually a a um, big tv like thing like a tabletop tv yep. thing and then they 
morphed yes. it into this tablet device, which, fair enough, okay, they, they probably would do better with a tablet I, device. I want the table back, sorry. <laughs> the table, like, I, so a friend of mine, company that I know, they've actually got those tables in their boardroom, and they are amazing. Mm, mm. Now, why Microsoft ever use that? Like, it's, it's they've, some, whoever works in the naming department needs to come up with new names for things, because you don't take a product that actually has been successful for Microsoft in the education environment, office environment, mm. and then turn it into a laptop that no one wants. Yep. Mm. Or a tablet. Or a tablet. That, so everyone, <laughs> well, everyone basically goes, oh, but the Surface is really crap. Well, actually, no, there's this really fantastic table that you can use, but mm. you're thinking a laptop. It seems... I think the general consensus as well, like I, I uh, read this um, on Slashdot, actually, the, the article on this one. So and fair and balanced commentary all the way. <laughs> well, I only really go there Speaking for the comment. 25-year-old. Uh, <laughs> right. And is, 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 I only read Slashdot for the comments, the, uh, the new I only get Playboy for the articles. <laughs> No, I, no I one think believes that. I literally do. You go there for the flame wars, don't you? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a bit of a laugh these days. I, I used to read it religiously, actually, and, and so now it's a bit different. But the general sort of consensus from Slashdot, and I'm going to take it on face value, is that you know Microsoft are really sort of delving into the depths of, of desperation. Mm-hmm. Wow, some alliteration there. <laughs> you know, I remember Apple doing something very similar some time ago before mm-hmm. in the dark days. Back in the nineties, yep. Trade, yeah. trade in, get a new Mac, etc. Um, it yeah. was about as well received as this Microsoft one seems to be. Luckily, Microsoft still do software and do it reasonably well. How the tables have turned. Mm. You're listening to Technogaze here on Joy ninety four point nine. In a few moments, we'll be talking about we we mentioned commenting on the internet and what that might mean. You know, the good and the bad commenting. And uh, Luke, you've been a, a, a victim of <laughs> <laughs> commenting Benefic- beneficiary of uh, yes. <laughs> gems of wisdom from gems all around the world. Well, with um, your your game being up on uh, on the uh, Steam platform. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk to you in a few moments. This is Techno Gaze on Joy ninety four point nine. Hi, this is Katie Underwood, and I tune into Joy ninety four point nine because I think it's beautiful, beautiful, yeah. It's so beautiful, beautiful. Joy ninety four point nine. I feel like I'm, you know, back announcing a, a you know, love songs and def- de- dedications or something. Ron, oh. techno gaze on Joy ninety four point nine. Lonely geeky hearts. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you want to check out how beautiful the Joy radio station is, you can do so today before one o'clock. We've got an open day here today and also tomorrow um, from twelve till midday. Uh, so if you're inclined to check us out, see what happens behind the. Uh, the radio waves. See how the radio magic happens from the time we talk to it gets to your lovely radio or smartphone app. Mm. Yes, or, there is a smartphone app. There is. And there is online streaming on the website. You should check them out. Mm-hmm. Now, um, commenting on the internet. Ah, it's it's <laughs> kind of a bit of a catchphrase for, for a lot of people that I know and, and love is don't read the comments. Yes. Don't read the comments. And yet we do. Sometimes we even like to make them. Because it's sort of come out as being, a, you know, the whole idea of the internet democratising, democratising, yes. there we go, the, uh, the world and being able to, you know, have feedback on, uh, direct feedback on stuff that you read, for example, mm. that's, that's 
a good thing, right? Yeah. That would be the, the sort of the, the conventional wisdom anyway. Yeah, and I think in the early noughties when a lot of us, you know, like starting our first blogs or whatever and going, oh, I'm going to put a comments box on here so that people can give me feedback. And yeah. it started out pretty well. But the the more of us that are doing that, the more of us are finding maybe that um, the, the fruits of that labour are not exactly sweet. Mm. The whole whatever happened to if you have nothing good to say, don't say, say anything at all. Exactly. Well, I think, didn't we all learn that in kindy? I would go into bat for internet comments. I think a lot of the problems happen when the people who put the comment box on their blog or whatever don't pay, like they don't incorporate that conversation into the main. Mm. So a a lot of news websites have started to shut off the comments going, oh, it doesn't work letting people comment. But that's because I think they were just using it as kind of a ghetto to let people just sort of dangle off the edge of the article. <laughs> rather than Dangle bring, off the edge. Yeah, rather than let, bring them into the conversation. And then enga- so people don't feel involved and so they don't... Yeah. So yeah. engaging with the, 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 the reader is, is part of the process or of Absolutely. creating good commentary. Mm. Is, that, uh, is that from personal That's, experience? Or? Unless you've got some other example that would prove that wrong <laughs> about well, considered intelligent conversation on a completely harmless topic. It, it turns out, although it's not necessarily considered... Um, and and well-reasoned discussion that they're talking about. But there was an article um, on theatlantic.com recently and they were doing a study on uh, comments and they'd noticed that the National Journal, which is, um, I guess, a little bit right-wing or towards the right-wing, um, they post a lot of articles and stuff and the comments go absolutely spare. And so the National Journal said, you know what, we're done with this, we're not going to have any more comments, you guys can't be trusted or whatever. And it turns out that their traffic, as in the measure of how many people are actually reading and enjoying that stuff, went up. And so this guy from The Atlantic did this study and in this study he showed a whole bunch of randoms, the same article, but half of them he showed at the article with the comments attached to the end and the people who saw the article with the comments attached to the end rated the overall article as being of less quality exactly the same words well i bow in the face of your superior empirical evidence but no but this is the thing right so that's that's some that's some fine evidence there and it's certainly not mine but um but i mean that's you said well is that engaging people were the national journal engaging people maybe not may arguably they were not they were probably putting a bunch of comments at the end and people were going you know you're just some sort of commie lefty widow or whatever it is starting all these fights with each other and they weren't necessarily generating it perhaps you can as well like it, it, it's become um pretty commonplace for comments to exist right so it's very easy to scan the comments at the bottom of a screen and sort of get a vibe even without reading a word but actually sort of just scanning over it you know looking at the text maybe it's capitalized a lot or whatever you can really kind of understand if it's going to be ranty or not or if it's actually going to be meaningful um meaningful Mm. conversation right so perhaps that's got something to do with it can do Um, is there some like intelligence behind people making that decision that yes it's it's better quality or, or worse quality I, I wonder I'm not really sure it's, it's I one do know for the analysis I guess it's one for the study yeah I do know and this is this isn't just me being you know vaguely sceptical this really happens there are people whose job it is to sit down and think which one of these headlines and articles and you know closing sentences is most likely to get people to engage in the comments yeah. and they're not always doing it in a way that is you know there to engender respectful for the, conversation yeah, for the good of the humanity they're actually trying to generate more like it's one thing to say what do you think about this let me know in the comments versus you know i reckon all of these people should you know 
take a good hard look at themselves, whatever it is that you're trying to get people to rev up about. Mm. I mean, sometimes it can get quite distasteful. There can be a lot of personal comments. Um, when we're talking before about, uh, or a few weeks ago about, you know, women in technology cap- copying a lot of the hiding, yeah. um, a lot of the time that comes with death threats, rape threats, um, all mm. kinds of actually really distasteful things that are not just disrespect, they're actual crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's... I it guess gets, the whole misogyny thing can be brought into that as well and there's, you know, yeah. it's a general sort of... There yeah. was a great article during the week on Same Same about mm-hmm. um, that uh, opera singer, sorry, that opera singer yes. who uh, lost her job with the Sydney Opera House because of her mm. appalling comments. Mm. Uh, but the article was just saying, well, actually a lot of the criticism was misogynistic and it's like we've got to separate these and sorts pretty of transphobic as well. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, awful things were going on with that and mm. um, I wasn't impressed yeah, the whole thing was actually pretty distasteful from start to finish. It's almost as if I mean, back in the back in the good old days, the golden days of the internet, when comments were sort of you know a new thing, it almost was like the the audience that would put comments on were the, a very select few that were, there was sort of a, a there was a rule set that we all were abided by, and there was like this sort of general consensus that we should. Um, you know, live by those rules and you'd get shot down pretty quickly if you didn't. But mm. now it's become a bit free-for-all, particularly with, um, you know, different interests putting these commenting systems up yeah. on, online as well. Like, you know, News Corp may not necessarily be that interested in, in you know, being um, no. you know, faithful holders of, of and humanitarians. In, and in fact, News, News Corp and, and Fairfax both are, are great examples of, you know, of that sort of thing where they'll get their favourite bloggers and they'll actually generate a community around those commenters. So mm. if you're a frequent reader of, of um, say, Tim Blair, for example, he... Yep. Um, Tim Blair, is it? He uh, he was the one that was going around, you know, oh, all these women who are fright bats, you know, ha-ha, screeching feminist harridans or whatever, yep. like that. And um, and that's, you know, playing to his audience, audience. of commenters. There's even a Twitter account dedicated to the uh, to the Bolt, Andrew Bolt <laughs> blog comments, and they're like a tight little community of, yep. of you know, <laughs> little, little, little right-wing yeah. right, right fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> They, of course, they love it. It's page views, it's engagement, it's a branding thing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, one of the reasons why um, Luke, you're with us in the studio, is you've had some exciting news, haven't you, with uh, your game, My Ex Boyfriend, The Space Tire. I had to think about that. <laughs> it's an unusual name. It, no, yeah. it no, is a really unusual name. It's though. an yeah. excellent name, I have to say, because it really does uh, say exactly what it's all about, and it's it's. <laughs> Quite enticing to to want to get to know the game by it, right? Right. Um, but so you had that sign your your game up on uh, Steam, which is a, a, a platform by Valve. Is that right? It's yes. Like so a, a way of an app store it. for PC games. Yeah. And uh, but to get an independent an indie game through, you have to go through a sort of a democratic process called Greenlight, where mm. everyone on Steam, forty million people, they can vote yes or no whether they'd like your game to go on to Steam. Right. And it took a year, but uh, on Thursday. Uh, it got approved to go on Steam. Wow. That is brilliant. Mm. Excellent. Um, there are a few gay games, uh, games with gay content on Steam, like Gone Home and uh, The Sims. Mm. Uh, but from what I can tell, it's the first with a gay lead character and a gay love interest and yep. you know, just gay all the way, out and proud gay games. So. And it's super camp as well, isn't it? Yes, Let's well, be real. you know, Priscilla, <laughs> Queen of the Desert was a bit of an inspiration and, you know, oh, sort of the peel and places like that. You know, it's a, I feel like it's a real Melbourne, Australian no, no, kind of game in a way. So, so locally made, uh, locally derived, uh, gay, what, what's not like, really? <laughs> Us, the Russians. I get a lot of comments from Russia about it. And they're not uh, fans. So. Oh, dear, really? Oh, well, mm. you know, judging, judging from what we've heard from... Uh, 
various opera singers and stuff from, <laughs> from that end of the world. Um, and it's a point-and-click adventure, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So oh. it's old-school LucasArts style. Perfect. Um, art by Joe Phillips, who's a comic book artist from the 90s. Well, I shouldn't say from the 90s, but, you know, he's still around. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he worked for DC in the 90s and stuff. So, yeah, it's coming along. It's yeah, so we, we had you on um, maybe about this time last year or a bit, bit, maybe a bit less than a year ago and you, we were talking to you about the process of putting it up on Greenlight um, and I, I kind of got the vibe from you that it, that it was like, oh, it's not really going to happen. It's not, you know... You, it, right. You, and things have gone up and down, I guess, in that, in that year, right? It's been good and it's been bad and you've seen some good stuff and, uh, as in comments and so forth on the, on the site and some pretty bad stuff as well. Yeah, well, Steam is, you know, computer games in general, I guess a very broad field, very shallow. Hmm. Uh, so there's, it hasn't really fragmented into sort of niche games yet or niche segments yet. Yep. So uh, the people looking at it on, on Greenlight were from all walks of life, not people necessarily interested in gay games or gay characters. And of so, course. you know, it's a lot easier when you go to a room full of gay people and say, here's a game. They'll like it on its merits a bit more, but when it's a room full of people who have no interest in it, mm. it's a bit of a tougher sell. So we've—I never thought it'd actually make it through green light. So I was... I'd suspect that um, it, you know, for people who might be homophobically inclined as well, it might just be a bit of a lightning rod, right? For, yeah. Well, for uh, you know, it's one thing that's a little bit unfortunate is it does get treated a bit like an oddity. So a lot of people just give it a one out of ten immediately and say that's uh, you know, hmm. die in hell, you know, yeah. you're a pedophile, all that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, oh, uh, wow. And then, uh, but then the flip side is a lot of people go, "Oh, look how upsetting! It's making the homophobes. I'm going to <laughs> upvote it as much as I can." Right. Yeah. And you know, and that's. And I guess you never really know what their, you know, what they identify as sexual sexuality-wise themselves. You know, it might just might be a lot of straight people who actually want to stick to the man or sort of say, "Hey, you know, this is not right to be homophobic." Yeah, well, straight people have, you know, as we all know, they're often gay people's greatest allies. You mm. know, so mm. yeah, excellent. Well, um, congratulations, I might just say, as well, for, for getting that done. Yeah, it's, it's been more than a year, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was just sat there accumulating right. votes. I know some other Perfect. gay developers who withdrew their games because of the, the bad comments, so right. it's the first to kind of get through, I think. So. Wow. you for sticking it out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and the process now? What's, uh, a uh, lot of is it paperwork. <laughs> paperwork, and then I've got to integrate it with the Steam shop. So And then right. they... Apparently now humans start to look at it. The whole process has been automated now, but now... People get involved. Isn't so. it funny how for oh, you it's, it's, it's an arduous <laughs> process, right, to go through the democratic, you know, commenting, blah, 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 you know, seeing it all happen. Now that's just see the green light, so to speak, to actually getting it subsequently put up. But you've still mm. got to go through the, the mechanisms of, yes. of, of getting it happen. Well, they're in a tough spot, Valve, because they get thousands of games, right. you know, every couple of months, but mm. they have limited space. Hopefully it's just a, a pretty... It's a breeze now, right? It should Hopefully. just be you know, filling out some paperwork <laughs> and uh, working on it. And from there, well, congratulations. Thank you very much. This is TechnoGaze here on Joy 94.9. We're covering some of the latest in tech, gay games, and uh, technology. I've already mentioned that. We'll be back with more in a few moments. TechnoGaze. Uplifting, informing, empowering. Joy 94.9. We do like to empower you here on Joy 94.9. We yes. like to uplift you as well. Mr. Segway today. I'm trying. <laughs> Try my hardest. Michael has messaged in um, mentioning our comment on commenting. 
Yes. Um, he's <laughs> In my old age, I've taken to commenting on the ABC website. You know, it's a slippery slope. He'll soon be texting in talkback. <laughs> Writing on his typewriter, perhaps. No, on his letters. Smith Corona. <laughs> in fact, I, don't, I wonder the address that he would send them to wouldn't be far from his, his home, I think. Uh, I think maybe they've moved. Possibly. Anyway, hmm. where, where is Michael at the moment for all those lovely jet setting? Oh. He is. He's he's off having a well deserved week. It's off. Not another continent or something. Yeah, yeah. Lucky, Lucky him. man. Well, this just goes to show how far the uh, Joy iPhone app does reach. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> all, all the stream on on your on your. Uh, it reaches all that way. It's it's not through it's radio waves. Amazing! It's this internet of things <laughs> that we have now. Twenty five <laughs> years, you say. <laughs> Good segue, actually, because we are we, are, we um, Google I O of course happened right during the week, and uh, that is in- true. Internet of Things is is part of this in a way. I mean, there was an announcement by Google that they've bought yet another company. The Internet de la Things. I think Google should fund Joy. <laughs> just as um, tech department, just, at least. Just Possibly. send us some money. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they've actually uh, bought a company called what is it called? Dropcam. Dropcam. So Dropcam is you know they're nice, friendly looking, easy to set up little Wi-Fi enabled cameras. Yeah. That you can stick on stuff. What could possibly go wrong? Cameras owned by Google or essentially you know installed by Google or mm. their subsidiaries uh, in your home, monitoring you on every. Well, that's true, because we had this conversation a few weeks ago about Nest, which is the mm-hmm. company that Google bought. And it's actually Nest, not Google themselves proper, but Nest that bought the Dropcam, right? Yes. And uh, Nest is, uh, Nest is is you know, they've got that connected home sort of stuff going on, so they know all this stuff about where you are and who got in and all well, that I'm, sort of stuff. Mm. I'm just imagining some nerd from Google watching my fish, because at the moment there is, a, there is a cam on my fish tank at home, and I'm just imagining he must be going, oh, a pretty fish little... Cam. Yeah, fish cam, channel 31. That's exactly <laughs> yep. right. You should, wow. you should be live-streaming this I stuff, dude. I think they should take it from my stream anyway. My fish tank is a lot better than wherever their fish tank is. So. <laughs> no, they've stopped doing it. I think you, you have replays now of fish cam. Oh, oh. Well, fish, it's, not fish live it's not live fish cam anymore. What or happens, is it? What happens if a fish dies on oh, it Channel Thirty One? It would float. That's right. <laughs> I used to volunteer in the in the studio where the fish cam was, and yep. the late late shift. So my last job was to like flick the switch to go to fish cam, and you're just like, <laughs> oh. good night, little fishies. <laughs> <laughs> And goodbye. Just side level. Was it cool for the fish? I don't know. Like they're getting no, massive. They're tank. Up, you know, it's like they're on all night now. Yeah, it's it, like Big Brother. Is their light on twenty four hours a day? <laughs> Do they get to sleep? Is it? I did wonder if they swam a bit too close to the large lamps, where there was a bit fried fish kind of edible oh. thing. But especially these studio lamps, boiling fish for for the, for the <laughs> lunch tomorrow, kind of thing. Oh yuck. Anyway. Um, back back oh, to the Google. camera. Yeah. Um, okay, so they've announced that deal. They've bought this uh, camera thing, so they're going to be, um, you know, still selling the drop cam and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, and then they'll be integrating it into Nest. And people were a little bit concerned about uh, Nest and its privacy related things mm. and of course now it comes with the camera so that you can uh, see things rather than detect if your house is hot or if people are moving around or whatever. Yes. The Internet of Things. I mean, the, the, there was, you know, the, the the Nest device that was most prominent at the time of the the purchase was a uh, smoke detector, a smoke detector slash carbon monoxide detector. I think it was. It was yeah. all built in one, and so the concept was that they could actually take readings from all over the world of different cities and locate them, and then there'd be a, a massive amount of data to sort of say, hey, this city's cleaner than that city, or, or whatever, mm. uh, with access to all this information. Um, not so. That's that's quite benign, right? That whole data collection, as much as it's still sort of personal to a degree, 
with cameras in the uh, in your house, that's a whole different realm, right? Well, like, it's, in theory, it's a, it's a Google-made product, so they're going to have some sort of way of, of getting into it and seeing it. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. I don't know if I'm comfortable having a camera that's just directly allowed to face to the rest of the interwebs in yep. my house. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's look, there's lots going on, you know, to to make that a little bit safer. But you know what? I've been playing I've been playing Watch Dogs, right? And it's just recently come out, and it's you know a multi bajillion dollar release, and it's on the side of every tram and bus at the moment. Like, um, it's pretty hard to avoid. And the whole premise of that game is that you're going around doing crimes and stuff like that, but you can hack into things. So you can start by going to a camera and then using that camera to find another camera that you couldn't have seen before and then connect to that one and then connect to the fridge and then connect to someone's tablet and then wow. take someone's money out of their, their, you know, PayPal or whatever it is on the way and then, you know, someone else's mobile phone. Like, the more we connect these sorts of things and the more sort of vulnerabilities there are. I mean, this game is obviously a bit of fantastic fiction there, but, mm. um, you know, every time I play this game, I'm thinking, oh, is this my house in five years? Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing, right? So the technology's existed for quite some time, hasn't it? Like... Uh, the ability to put a webcam up in your in your house isn't something new. It's the connection all the way through to the cloud service, to the what you can actually do with that webcam. You can connect to it remotely and all that sort of thing. You know, those things that people want to be able to do and suddenly the privacy implications are completely forgotten. And it sort of goes back to the, the golden age of the internet that we mentioned before of, you know, people sort of tended to... Um, pick up these these issues back then, whereas now it's sort of like, no, mm. Google, yeah, they're doing it. That's what they do, right? Well, it's you know, it's part of those probably long. You know, I've just recently switched to a, to an Android phone, and I'm sure I read the 63 page document that said, "Here are the terms and conditions. Scroll to the end and click accept." <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm you sure know. you read it very carefully and, and took notes on the way. There's probably as you probably there's should probably six lines in there that say, "Oh, and by the way, Google now owns your soul <laughs> and any souls that you may create from now on into the future." <laughs> yes, um, ideally your firstborn, but the others will be fine. <laughs> But in a lot of cases, uh, the companies have kind of made a compelling argument for why we should be using these devices a bit more. Mm. Like, you know, a lot of the privacy stuff people worried about, but then, you know, with uh, Google Maps, yeah. uh, with the live traffic updating, you know, that's based on yeah. your everybody's Android phones, how fast they're moving in traffic. Exactly. Yes. So, you know, that's an invasion of privacy in one regard, but at the same time, the benefit of it, people have kind of made that judgment call en masse, really. Some of them have. I, I would probably argue that not everybody has that understanding of what goes behind it, though. Like, I'm sure that there are plenty of people who look at that traffic thing and go, oh, yeah, they must be using, I don't know, traffic data from, from the normal sorts of places that you'd find well, traffic data, like Vic Roads or whatever, but yeah. maybe they haven't made that decision because, indeed, they are not, in fact, reading 63-page things that you click wrap to accept, and they're possibly not following... Those developments. As well, uh, a large proportion of the population perhaps don't really mind that, that their phones are being uh, used for A lot for of people honestly are happy to do that, and I, I personally am not happy to do it all the time, but in a lot of ways sometimes I am. Yeah, the, for me, like, there's probably 80% of things that I'm happy, yeah, cool, like, fine, if Google wants to know where I am when I'm driving, when I've got my map open, I'm using it, that's great, because it's helping yep. other people... You know, well, it's helping with, me too, well, right? It's, As in, I, it's, I'm, it's getting directions I'm getting directions in a useful yep. way. And which... it's fantastic. You know, it pops up and says, oh, look, there's a traffic incident ahead. Hmm. You know, do you want to divert? Sure, let's do that. Yeah. You know, so I think great things like that are fantastic. There's just some things that, you know... When you, when you go through and read those things, okay, they've now got access to your photos on your phone, etc. Yeah. You and know, in fact, you know, Android, I've noticed as well, it does a really interesting thing where if you open an app or you install an app or something changes about an app, it will say, this app would like to do these things. Yep. And it says, access your photos, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
uh, sometimes the challenge that you get there is that, and I mean, I know I've talked to people who say, oh, can you help me with this thing with my phone? You know, and I'm like, oh, or, or my computer or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it came up with some error. Okay, what was the error? I don't know. I didn't read it. I just clicked okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. How will you possibly know? And surely there's got to be any number of people who are doing that when they, you know, get yeah. on the... Yeah, they just go, oh, well, I really want the app to download, but didn't realise that yeah. you know, you've just signed up. To, you know, some people, look, I've got uh, some people that know that, oh, I signed up for a free trial online, I had to give my credit card to them, mm. and now they've billed me $265 a week for the next, you know, 10 weeks. I'm like, well, did you read that when you first opened this app? Yeah, that, yeah. that, dates the, that predates the internet, that kind of well, stupidity, it, it, though. But so. it does. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, it's all about, you know... You, if you are what if you want to be aware you need to read those yes it is a good idea to to keep an eye on things and i think there are nerds out there that also read those very long uh, user agreements and pick mm. out the things that are that are wrong yep. as well. If you really wanted to, you could probably find yeah. find those things. And look, there. various consumer um, organisations. So the Choice is one of them, and you know the, there are the government ones as well. You know, various consumer protection agencies and stuff are actually putting the pressure now on those companies to say, you know what, you can't do three hundred pages mm. of legalese. Mm. You have to make this more simply. So, for example, and it's not just companies like internet companies; it's everybody. Yes. So I don't know if you've received a new credit card recently from your bank, or if they've changed their terms and conditions, or anything. Thing. Often you will get a big handout, but you'll also get a little sheet that explains the changes in plain uh, English. And that's a, a direct response to the fact that people have been putting the pressure on going, you've got to stop doing that. And they're all government I want approved more of that. I want more of that from software developers. That's what I want. Of course, that all depends on the government not forcing backdoors and encryption <laughs> holes in all of these, you know, systems. So <laughs> I'm sure different arms of the government are allowed to do different things, aren't they? Make right? it simple, but don't tell them about this piece of tinfoil here. Yes. Well, um, this is Technogase here on Joy 94.9 where we're talking about Google. We're talking about uh, Google I.O., which we'll do more of in just a few moments. Technogase. Joy 94.9. Um, you're listening to Technogaze, where we're gazing into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets, and technology. We've got uh, Josh running the uh, running the boat. Trying to push buttons here. But I got, di- I got distracted by some comments that we've had in on our SMS. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, did, so, we did get a text from a mystery person saying who was obviously struck by our conversation about fish cam. What does it say? <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Unofficially, the fish isn't official. Now, uh, 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 you kind of have to uh, uh, read it to get <laughs> yeah. the full... Weight of that dad joke, dad classic joke. dad joke, and well, uh, and listener Mark as well, thinking of all of our wonderful uh, six hundred page legal documents, saying, "Won't somebody think of the solicitors?" <laughs> I'm just doing that, that the Maud Flanders Simpsons point, clutching the pearls. Won't <laughs> somebody think of the solicitors? <laughs> Those my, poor, poor solicitors. What mm. would they do if they couldn't write documents? I'm sure. I'm sure they'd find other things, and perhaps interpret them for them for the uh, for those of us and who turn them into plain English. Oh, oh yeah. well. I promise not to slag them off anymore then. Um, Google I.O. Yes, it happened. Um, it happened overnight. So mm. if you were staying up late to watch football anyway, as some of us... Are, sorry, I keep dropping <laughs> you it You mad, mad football fan, Rainer. I just... I don't know. I kept watching the football regardless. Excellent. Um, it happened overnight, yes. so big deal. Um, of course, they did a big keynote speech, didn't they? They um, Massive. Uh, you know, showed off some of their, their new wares. That's right. Which was always exciting. I, I found yep. it quite interesting. Within the first five minutes of that particular keynote, they, they highlighted the, the participation numbers, uh, you know, male versus female. That's right. So, I mean, something we sort of talk about relatively frequently on this show mm. is their female participation in STEM and technology in particular. And they were saying that last year they had 8% developers 
female. Mm-hmm. Today, or this week rather, it was 20%. Mm. Rocking so, up to Google I.O., which is pretty great. Still the numbers are low, right? Like 20%. That's a pretty massive improvement, though. So yes. It's a very big increase. Yeah, so happy to hear about it. But, yeah, it is it is quite low. Mm. Um, While we're talking about stats as well, I, I liked their stats of the uh, tablet usage. They they based this on YouTube, which I thought was as in YouTube usage from tablets. Right, because plenty tra- of us go there, right? Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but uh, 28% of tablet users are Android users. And uh, that was last year. This year, it's gone up to 42%. So, growing. Yep. But interestingly, the shipment shipment numbers that they mentioned as well was like 46% last year of of shipments are Android-based tablets, um, to this year being 62%. So, even though the shipment numbers are above, you know, 50%, the actual usage is quite a lot lower. What do you think that might... Well, web usage even. Maybe they're not... Hmm. Maybe it's they're still being, being hmm. used, but not to browse to YouTube. So if they're, I don't know, being used mostly as readers or something like that, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, hmm. Luke? Uh, no, that sounds about right. I sounds mean, about right. <laughs> Android users, are they like less income than Apple users on average or something? I that read an interesting be... article about that this week, actually, mm-hmm. that um, Android users generally spend less on apps, which mm. has happened before, but there were more figures again. It's mm. possible that they're just not using the internet as much, maybe. I don't know. It's almost like they don't use it in general as much because it, it you know you, you buy a tablet if you're buying it for a lesser price then perhaps you don't hold it as closely to your day-to-day life as well like it's just that thing over in the corner that you pick up every now and then as, yeah. whereas you know when you're going out and actually purchasing a thousand dollar tablet from a fruit named company um it 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 perhaps means a bit more to you as well it could do i i don't know I, I work in a workplace where um, it is it is very much skewed towards the fruit company. So I don't know how many people are using Android tablets mm. at work, but also is it possible that some of these tablets that are being shipped are going out to the enterprise because they seem to be making a bit of a push towards uh. more enterprise Android usage. And of course, if you are on the enterprise, you hopefully aren't looking at YouTube while you're at work <laughs> or on your work tablet. And it's possible as well that they're actually locking that down by policy. Who knows? Yeah. And and props, they're, they're they're putting software on on those tablets that are specific for for the workplace, right? Yeah, so, or education, mm, even. Yeah, yeah. So um, they talked about their new um, new developments for the Android platform, including yes. a thing called um, Art, uh, which is some sort of new runtime. It's like a low level thing on the on the Android devices, which apparently is going to inc- uh, give a two times improvement um, to the previous. Dalvik runtime, so we're talking about speed of processing. Yeah, That's a pretty significant change. It is, and the other thing that they're touting as a big deal about that is that um, some Android devices can kind of stutter when you open up apps or they sort of pause occasionally, and mm. it's so small, like it's not enough to actually slow you down, but it's small enough, or it's big enough that you notice, notice it, it, and it's kind of frustrating yeah. to be honest. So they're clearly, they're working on that sort of stuff, and they're also working on a lot of animation-y type stuff around yeah. the, the use of the, the, the phone in general, which Sounds like they're taking a leaf out of uh, Apple's book from 2007. They are also looking at the general design language to be used around Google as well, which they've, um, it's called L for Larry. Um, and they've talked about L Developer Preview, which is, um, you know, it's lots of big, bold colours, you know, which I think Google themselves are doing a lot more of as well. Lots of big, bold colours, lots of really, you know, stark topography. Mm. Um, some consistent, stuff about, you know. A consistent topography, I think. Uh, they've, they've redeveloped their font 
to be um, reusable across multiple platforms My as well. goodness, that's like only the sixth or seventh time they've done that. <laughs> um, they're talking about um, one of the phrases that they used, which I really liked, was, um, where is it? Uh, God, where is it? Users initiate change. Blah, 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 reinforces the user as the prime mover, which I thought was a little bit funny because I thought that was we were always the prime movers, yeah. but I suppose not. I'm not sure. Am I, well, am it's, I, it's am I a transformer, perhaps? So is that one? It's reinforcing. Sorry. It's a <laughs> keyword there in the sales pitch. Reinforcing. All oh, right. Reinforcing. Fooling you. Well, there was a period with Google Cards on my phone where it did seem to be driving the process a bit more. It's like you've got a plane to catch tomorrow. You've got right. the soccer just finished yep. overnight and someone got eaten and, you know. Like yes. <laughs> those sorts of things. So maybe that, you know. You want it to a bit more control of your own phone sometimes. So. Maybe you do. The uh, the design hints that, that are part of this as well, I think, are supposed to reduce some of that frustration. It's like the phone did this, the phone did that. So, you know. But that's kind of interesting because um, they're really pushing a bit more towards that. Plain old Android by itself without any vendor skins on it can be super, super stark at the moment. Mm. And I guess that's why a lot of people go, oh, you know, I prefer this, I prefer that. Like I'm not a huge fan of Samsung's, for example, but HTC Sense is a really lovely interface, I think. Yep. Um, and a lot of these carriers put a lot of effort into it, but it really contributes bits to that perception that Android is this weird, fractured, um, dispersed sort of community. And the more sort of consistency that you can get around the experience, the stronger they'll be for it. How strong will it be, though? I mean, Apple's got their 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 teeth into every part of the app process, whereas Google's a bit more haphazard. Uh, so can they really control it that much? I think that's what they're trying to do. And like it's the real fanboys that are, that are, and girls that are going to get on top of this stuff, but will everyone you know, yeah. create their apps as, as good as what they want them to make well, them? Well, since you mentioned it, another development that they came up with was a more unified Android experience for low-end devices that they'll be targeting specifically to the developing economies. So mm. we were talking the other day about uh, a Firefox phone that was being pitched to India, for example. It was going to be under $80 or whatever it was, which yep. is a pretty amazing price point. And that's what um, that's what Android, it, it is in that price point as well. Like even if you now go down to, you know, an electronics shop or whatever, there's a lot of, you know, buy this prepaid phone, it's got Android, but it's, you know, this ancient processor and it's really slow and it's not a lot of fun to use. And sometimes they'll put on those vendor skins and they'll make it even worse and all the rest <laughs> of it. And it's that end of the market where that perception of Android being a little bit unreliable probably comes from a lot. Mm. A lot of people that have the higher-end sort of phones are generally pretty happy yes. with Android, um, although possibly with the number of returns that the S5 has been getting, I'm not sure. But, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So that sort of consistency and stuff will really help drive that. And the more people that have that as their first phone or their cheap phone or whatever, yep. I think the stronger it'll get. Yep. Now, Google I.O., of course, wasn't just about Android and the uh, mobile operating system um, but uh, we, we would love to talk about uh, new Android Wear, um, Android in cars, Android One, Android TV. There's a whole bunch of things, and perhaps we should say that for next week's conversation, next week's uh, Techno Gaze. Yes. We, I might even be able to get our um, Android... Our favourite Android uh, guy. Guy, yes. <laughs> Um, Jason Jason. might be able to come along so hopefully we'll be able to continue that conversation but we are getting to the end of the show so we'll be back with a wrap up of the show in a few moments we're at the end of the show we are at the end of the show and um, you know we like to sort of keep this uh, part of the show for you know something funny um, humorous story to bring you uh, into the rest of your weekend with so why not with this one Um, if you're a burglar Mm-hmm. And you're breaking into someone's house. Yep. 
what shouldn't you do on their computer? Leave clues about your identity, like logging into <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Might as well just check in. Hey, I just broke into this house. <laughs> yeah, did they jump on Foursquare or something as well? So not only you've been here five times. <laughs> You're the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, um, this is this is in Minnesota, I believe, um, in the US, uh, jumps jumps into someone's house, goes to burgle it. He's got wet clothes for whatever reason, I guess wet weather or something like that. Um, left some of his clothes behind. Also logged into Facebook just to I don't know see what his mates are doing or whatever. Um, and Take then a selfie, the, perhaps. So. <laughs> who knows? And then when the owner came home, um, found these uh, found some missing stuff and some wet clothes and shoes. Jumps onto Facebook and goes, ah, oh, sees sees the burglar's profile and says, oh, um, here's my phone number. Why don't you give me a call, Mr. Burglar? I've got some stuff of yours. Do you want it back? And the burglar called back and said, yeah, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> so what happens? They go to meet up. Homeowner <laughs> calls the cops. <laughs> people shouldn't have access to the internet. <laughs> so people shouldn't be allowed out of the house. <laughs> this guy's he has got to think of a better career. Mm. On that note, <laughs> that's all we have time for today. If you've missed any part of the show or perhaps you'd like to uh, peruse previous episodes, you can do so by checking out joy.org.au slash technogaze. Now, coming up next is a Joy News Borton with Shannon Gillies, followed by a very special encore run of Cravings, the MasterChef interview, uh, back due to popular demand. Thank you, uh, Raina, for joining us today. Thank you. Now, thank you, Luke, as well, for oh, my pleasure. In. Yes, it's um, <laughs> congratulations again on the game. Um, and Josh, thank you for uh, pushing the buttons and no, making and everything work. Making it all great until the last couple of minutes when I just stuffed <laughs> everything up and pushed all the wrong buttons. Oh, <laughs> have a great weekend, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Technogaze on Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.